0: Andrew, you you strike me as the kind of man who lives with no regrets. No no regrets that's whatsoever. Right.
1: I don't know if that's totally true. Like I okay. definitely I think when I was like eight years old, I was <clears throat> I mean, somewhere around eight years old, maybe less. It was 4th of July, and there was unlimited brownies and lemonade at the party. And I regret having eaten so much of both because later that evening when I spewed it all over my room, it was a truly disgusting combination.
0: Was it kind of so like that, an like, encore I, I, to the fireworks of the night?
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. And, not, <laughs> and I don't personally consider this patriotic. It was disgusting. <laughs> and my poor parents, you know, had to clean it up. It was gross. Because, yeah. you know, the anyway, we should probably... I do want to tell you the details, though, which... You know, there was a lot of acid in the lemonade and a lot of sort of sweetness in the brownies. And it's not a good mix. I can only imagine. So anyway, in, in so far as regrets go, I do have a few. Well, would that were the only one,
0: but how do you, how, how about when it comes to finding bagpipe freedom, the book, any, any portion, maybe even appendix one about simplifying tunes that you might think to yourself, if I could, I might do something yeah. different.
1: So in ad- in addition to it, we would definitely change this appendix a little bit, mm. but no, it's not a regret.
0: So still mostly still feel pretty darn good about it, huh?
1: Uh, yeah, you got. I it. have you regrets,
0: Andrew. When it comes to this, I do have regrets, and I've said before, and I don't mind admitting many times, that I am a very recent convert to the idea that it's okay to simplify tunes, and my regret yes. is partly for my own sake, but way more than that how many students I could have served much better had I been open to helping them do this myself. But there are a couple that come to mind who wanted to do this. And I actively said, no, that's a bad idea. We're not going to do that.
1: Yes, agree. So the interesting thing about the, or, you know, the interesting thing, the beautiful thing, the wonderful thing about the bagpipe freedom process, you don't even really, you know, you come up with the process and you don't even realize many of its charms until later. But one of the cool things about the bagpipe freedom process is it implicitly teaches us how to simplify and how to build up a tune from its most basic building blocks into the fully embellished version of the tune. Interestingly, I think I know where the idea that you don't have to simplify, I think I know where that comes from, right? It comes from that outlier-centric program that we have grown up with you know, in the bagpipe world where... I I think most of the people who become excellent, they never really did have to simplify. You know, you sort of just magically have these skills or either that or you're just unknowingly immersed in bagpipe music Mm -hmm. so much that you can kind of skip some of the steps because it's intuitively baked into your brain. However, uh, I don't think that's normal. And I think that it is important to at least be able to break something down and to simplify it. The, the, The other thing that I do see sometimes is, that people simplify tunes in extremely wrong ways that possibly make the problem worse and not better. So yes, we should at least have the ability to simplify when need be. And there is a right way to do that. And there is a wrong way to do that.
0: Well, that gives me just a little bit of hope for some assuaging of my debilitating guilt that perhaps I at least shut down a less than wise way of simplifying Probably not. I probably (laughs) was shutting down really great stuff. Yeah. Well, chances (laughs) are,
1: yeah, chances are, if you did believe in simplification, you would have done it wrong and could have, you know, so for example, if you have a student simplify a tune, well, it's really easy to do that in several potentially infinite wrong ways that actually don't really help the student, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you simplify it and then you put the student in a position where now it's even harder to switch to the fully embellished or to work towards the fully embellished, for example, then what have you really done? You've sort of made the, you've just made the progr- uh, the process worse, not better.
0: Yeah. Well, and this was always my concern was that to learn a tune in a simplified version and then learn it in the full version is to learn a tune twice. Uh, and yes. so I suppose the, the important point, especially having looked at this appendix that you have in Finding Bagpipe Freedom is breaking it down in the right way and building it back up in the right way. Yeah. No like random assignment of simple grace notes, for example.
1: Yeah, totally. So let's address that. I think that's probably a pretty common objection to simplification, which is I don't want to have to learn something and then relearn another new thing. And it goes back to the building a house analogy, you know? Mm. So if you build a house by the foundation first, and then the next layer of things and the next layer of things, are you building the house twice? No, you're you're not not. building the house twice, right? right? You're, you are, you're building a house in the right order of events, right? You're Mm. layering the right, you're layering the right orders of understanding to the house Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't fall down, right? If you build a house uh, without a foundation, it it might be kind of like a house, but it's not going to last very long. It's not going to keep you very warm. It's not going to be very useful. It's going to be potentially dangerous because it's going to cave in. So it's worth building it the right way from the beginning. And I would also say that I don't use this process very often when I learn tunes, okay? But I'm like the, I'm the exception and not the rule, right? So when you get to the point where rhythm is so straightforward that you can see it, you know, like that guy in the matrix where he just Mm. sees the numbers and he can actually see what's in the matrix just by looking at the numbers, right? When you're at that point of rhythmic understanding, which by the way, I'm not at that point, Except for in these common tunes like two, four marches. Once you've done 10,000 two, four marches, you, you don't really need to break it down to the basic rhythm layer. You just kind of see it there. And you already mm. have so much practice that, generally speaking, you don't need to get it. However, if you ever come across a difficult rhythmic section, it's easy and quick and efficient to simplify that section. So <clears throat> as you get better, simplification will be less and less necessary, mm-hmm. right? kind of like probably an expert builder doesn't need an architect to build a simple house, right? You probably have the basics down, you know? However, you know, when you're first beginning, it's probably best to consult someone who knows what they're doing first before you start to build the foundation.
0: Yeah, my, my day jobs in liability and risk assessment, suddenly I just had all these alarms go off. Right. Still consult with an engineer. <laughs> yes, Exactly. But. So, so then let's look at that. Then how far back do you break it down in order to start this business of breaking it down? Is it just take the hardest embellishments and get them out of there to add them back later?
1: Yeah. So, so Jim, let me throw this one back at you. I'm going to boomerang this one back at you. So the bagpipe freedom process tells us what we need to do. So Mm. what's the very first step in the bagpipe freedom process?
0: I can tell you, having very recently worked my way through the bagpipe freedom process, that it is to do with rhythm, rhythmic accuracy.
1: Exactly, so before we can expect to play any tune, we need to know that we can play the rhythm of the tune really well, okay? Mm -hmm. So the first step of the simplification process or the first layer is going to be that basic rhythm layer. So I have a tune ready to go. Shall we try this? I'm just a little worried. I'm a little worried if I press the screen share button That the whole world is gonna self-destruct. Ooh, are we seeing it?
0: Yeah, Bonnie Ann, good choice. What a cool tune. Well, I picked Bonnie
1: and I yeah, I picked Bonnie Ann because it's one of the hardest tunes I can think I could possibly think of, right? Yeah. So Bonnie Ann, most of us are not gonna be able to sight read our way through this uh, with all the embellishments in and have it come out sounding good, right? So we're in a Mm -hmm. position where we're in a position where boy. Uh, if this is going to happen, we're going to have to, we're going to need to simplify it. Okay. So what I have here is I have Bonnie Ann set up, and what we're going to do first is we're going to find the basic rhythm line of the tune. All right. And what we're going to do is very simple, which is, oops, you can probably see. So I'm going to turn on my simplified line. Now the first thing I'm going to do, just for a logistical sake, is I'm going to take everything in uh, the main line, I'm gonna copy it into the simplified line, all right? And then I'm going to erase all grace notes, all embellishments, that's the first step. And then Jim, of course, you can edit this out. So it's not- Certainly,
0: I'll snap us ahead a bit, you bet.
1: So here I've gotten rid of all the grace notes. Now we're not actually gonna do anything with this yet. I actually wanna leave this in place for later because we're going to use these melody notes later what i'm going to do now is i'm going to recopy this with all of the embellishments gone and you know make that now i have my rhythm line here this is what we're really concerned with now i'm going to paste all these empty notes in here okay and now all i have to do to make this you know a really basic rhythm line is to just get rid of all the melody notes and how i'm going to do that is just by putting every note on a single line. So I usually do, uh, Nope. And then I forget there's a routine for doing this.
0: I can skip us ahead. again If it just, yeah, no no problem.
1: Carl knows
0: nailed it. Okay, cool.
1: All right. So here we are. (laughs) That took a while. Here we are with the rhythm line here. Okay. So All the notes are written on the, are written on the same note line here so that we just see the rhythms of the tune. Okay. And this is going to be our first simplification layer. All Mm -hmm. right. So the rhythm here is, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be real tough to edit, Jim.
0: I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Give me Mm -hmm. some claps. Give me some chanter sound. Give me a third screen. All of this, bring it on.
1: Yeah. So here we go, um, you know, if we were to set a metronome up here, let's try and get my metronome thing. So the basic rhythm here is of Bonnie Ann, right? That's the basic mm-hmm. rhythm line, and there's a few other tricks that if I were in the dojo situation, I would employ a, th- a couple of little tricks, for example, I would get rid of all of the cut dot rhythms at first. oh, would you? Uh, mm. yes, I would so I would and I would replace, for example, at the end of bar two, the first or the second full bar here uh, I would we have this tacum rhythm, but that's a really awkward rhythm to try to clap, okay, and it's not really something that I'm desperate to get on my first layer so I would actually kind of replace that uh, with just a basic eighth note here Uh, and then there's a couple of those spots where even though in the long run we are obviously going to want to play tacums there in the Mm -hmm. short run in the short run I don't want it to distract my basic learning of the rhythm
0: so I guess the tacum rhythm will kind of help itself happen once you've got the grace notes of the tacum in there as well won't it
1: Yes, exactly. And then the problem with the tacum is it's very rare for a student to play a tachem rhythm correctly, even at this stage. Okay. Uh, most people are going to start the tachem before the beat, and then it's something that you have to teach. So what we can do is we can just essentially play the first note of the tachem here, and it's really easy to put on the beat. And then uh, as a second layer, once the basic layer is in place, right here, here we are again with that basic theme of, we don't want to ask ourselves to do too much. So here we'll, we'll have the basic rhythm, which now sounds like this, right? Much easier. Mm -hmm. Okay. And everything that you play is going to fit into that one E and two E and that, that kind of basic groove that we're looking for. Everything will fit in there. However, if you don't take out the tacums, it's fine. This basic monotone rhythm layer is still gonna be great. And you're gonna get a ton out of it. And we're gonna get organized insofar as when things happen and what to do with those rhythms, right? For example, the dotted eighth note here in the first bar, it doesn't look that much longer than any of the other notes, okay? Mm. And that's a problem because it is much longer. The, uh, it's the longest note of the bar. But if you're not clear on that before you start to sight read, right, it's going to sound like this. And I I like to do this because this is what most people sound like when they learn tunes, right? Something like that, with it's less a, good technique. I mean, like listen to that technique. It's.
0: It was an uncanny uh, performance of my first time through this very tune. <laughs>
1: right. Exactly. Well, that's how we all learn tunes, and you know, obviously, it's just kind of like taking all the materials for your house and chucking it all in a pile and calling it a house, <laughs> yeah. or hoping for it to become a house. Right. Of yeah. course, it makes a lot more sense to get organized. So let's get organized first with the rhythm. Bum, bup, bum. And if you can understand that, right, two things, two really cool things happen when you look at the rhythm, right? Thing number one is you're getting yourself ready to play Bonnie Ann. But thing number two is you're also getting better and more comfortable with the rhythm of all future two, four marches that you're ever going to play. Ooh, nice. Yeah, you're building that sort of skill capital that's going to help you actually get better. Uh, So anyway, that's the basic rhythm line of simplifying a tune okay and there's a million and one reasons why that's a good thing to do cool making sense by the way when we when we are ready for the tackums to come back into the rhythm instead of trying to clap it i always feel kind of like a wind-up monkey toy when i try to clap tackums like it doesn't really work so instead i like to say the word tackum instead of Instead of trying to clap it, which ends up sounding something like this. And the one e and a two e and the one e and the two tack 'em one and mm. a two e and the one e and the two. tack 'em one e and a two e and the one e and the two e tack em. one e and something like that, right? Where I say the word and that ta sound aligns up with that eighth note that I'm clapping. And, you know, so I sort of start to bridge the gap that way, right? if that makes any sense. Because it's just really hard to kind of clap it and it makes everything feel kind of weird and esoteric. So yeah, we started taking it out and we just say the word Takum in there, kind of lets you know there's something coming up later that you're going to have to look at and so on and so forth.
0: That seems really smart. I'm not a masterful Takum player still, but realizing that it's one of those. I forget what is that? Is it onomatopoeia when the word for a thing sounds like the thing? Crash, you know? Yeah. Like the word sounds like the thing that the word. Or buzz, or buzz, or totally. buzz. Yeah. And that tackum is one of those, yeah, you know. Yeah,
1: um, it's a borrowed word. I mean, it's so attackum, right? So, so technically, attackum is just a short C to a low A, you know, with G and D the grace notes. <laughs> right. Those are tackums. Like that's what they actually are. But we borrow that word because yeah, it's so good and it's so, it, it's such a good way of representing that rhythm just generally. So we use the word tacum whenever there's a cut dot rhythm like that, that's sort of extra groovular by not. It is
0: groovular, isn't it?
1: Well, it's, it's like not, it doesn't fit the basic groove, right? It oh, I see. The basic... Extra groovular. I was just <laughs> thinking exactly. <saying>, like
0: groovy. <laughs> yeah. I <got> well, <laughs> and it is extra.
1: It's no, I would say it's, yeah, it doesn't really fit the basic groove, which as you may recall is one and two and one. That's the basic groove, right? If we can get students into that basic groove, playing some of these rhythmic combinations, you're 85, 90% of the way there, right? And then mm. the tacums are sort of like the fly in the ointment. It's like crap. Well, what do we do about these? And they don't really fit. And so you end up with a whole bunch of confusing nonsense. Whereas if we just take them out temporarily, okay, then we'll find ourselves in the position to kind of work them back in as one of those exceptions. As a matter of fact, the is almost like a rhythmic embellishment. It's something that we're putting on top of the basic groove to add a little bit of character. And so anyway, that's how I, that's how I think about it and it helps us get to the bottom line faster. So that's the rhythm layer.
0: Cool, okay. rhythm
1: layer, that's, is that step zero or step one? Well, I think in the book we call it step zero. Yeah. It's we want to simplify our tune, but really step one is, you know, or step. I think we we're just calling it step zero to be funky. Really step one is by the way, that just screwed up my settings. However, I think I know how to fix it. Boom. There it is. All right. So now I'm going to add in that simplified layer that we started with before. Okay. And you can still see our rhythm line here. It's still there, hasn't gone anywhere. And you'll see our simplified line here. Mm. Then we've got our simplified line right here in the middle. Now it would be tempting to say, cool, let's play the simplified line and let's go ahead and give it a try. We're gonna find the problem with this right away. Ooh, right away, right? We have two of the same notes in a row, okay? Now, by the way, you could, just use your tongue on your practice chanter and Mm -hmm. you if you did that you'd be able to work through this melody with no grace notes at all which by the way I might recommend trying a couple of times We got a couple of those repeating notes in there, but you could hear the melody of Bonnie Ann there, right? Mm. Remember, I carried forward. This is making the big assumption that our rhythm is in good form, right? And that we were able to carry it over to those melody notes. But you could see how this is the next logical step. So now we yeah. have the rhythm, and now onto the rhythm, we're going to add the the vertical a- a- element of it. If like rhythm is horizontal across time at any given point in time, we should, we need to be playing a certain pitch. So now we Mm. we add that in and you know, we don't even need any grace notes if we can use our tongue. But of course in real world, we're not going to be able to tongue any notes. So then we need to add in some grace notes, right? And you could do, you could do super primitive grace notes, otherwise known as just separating notes. You could do that. so I'll just do a little strike on any note that repeats. Something like that would kind of work. The problem with this is... In Bonnie Ann, this is quite doable, but in a tune like, let's say you were playing Cork Hill or something, right? Where there are many notes that repeat all the time. This sort of super elementary way of getting the tune to come out is really hard. It's like, you got to have super tongue skills. Like, I'd rather... Yeah. Uh, so not everyone will agree with me on this, but I'd rather have good grace note, good basic grace note skills that I could use here because tongue skills, it's not really necessary in the world of bagpiping. Jim, don't even think about it. Okay. And then, so anyway, yeah. And then same with the strike. So what we really want to do at, in this basic level, and this is what I would change from the book, right? In the book, we just say, carry, the, carry some of the G grace notes down first, blah, blah, blah. Instead, what I would right. do, here's the key thing that I want everybody to do, okay? When you simplify, this is the key ingredient. Are you ready for the key ingredient, Jim?
0: Yes, please.
1: Are you sure you're ready?
0: I mean, this maybe is gonna, not. But <laughs> this is going to shock and surprise anyway. you.
1: Yeah, the key ingredient of the simplification process is once we have this line here and all the melody notes and all the grace notes and embellishments have gone, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make that top line disappear and just cover it up can you see how I got rid of the top line? I don't want that top line. I don't want that top line to influence any of the grace notes that I use in any way. Because what tends to happen, right? Embellishments aren't the only way we embellish a tune, right? Sometimes a composer will mix and match and do not mix and match so much as mix up the grace notes and they'll put them in interesting combinations that they find interesting. So they'll embellish the melody even with what the expected grace note patterns are. But what we want to do in the mm. simplified setting is let's put together a minimally viable grace set of grace notes for this melody using our knowledge of the grace note system. All right, now the first rule of the grace note system, and remember everybody, especially in music and art, rules are only there to ultimately be broken, right? So However, mm-hmm. the first rule of the grace note system is what? Have we ever talked about this? We've, we've danced around it a few
0: times. And so mm-hmm. I feel like we've got to be heading towards G grace notes.
1: Yep, exactly. So the first basic rule of the grace note system is that G grace notes are going to go on all the downbeats. Okay. And then one of the things about 2-4 marches is that we don't just put G grace notes on the downbeats. We also put them on the offbeats where it's convenient. Okay, so for example, we will have one here. Uh, that's, even though that pickup note is technically an offbeat. okay? But see, so we'll have one here. Now, we would probably have one on the high A except for a G grace note's not possible there. A G grace note's not possible between two high A's either, although interestingly, when you strike your high A finger, it does make a G, so put that in there. Kind of. Uh, there are no available yeah. notes to do anything here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work my way through and I'm going to do a G grace note layer. Okay. On all of the downbeats. Okay. I will,
0: as we need, I can skip us ahead, but go ahead and yeah, if you've got commentary to give us while you're doing it for sure, bring
1: it on. Okay, cool. So let me just do it real quick.
0: In case it's not obvious too, Andrew is using MuseScore at present, but this is something that could be done in Celtic Pipes. There's there's actually a web-based one. I just
1: Yeah, well, Jim, the best way to do this, the best way to do this, by the way, everyone listening, very important point. Thank you, Jim, for bringing it up. But do not use software to do this. Like, it's something that I never say, but I should make sure that I say, yeah, you need to do this by hand, people. So print out some staff paper, or better yet, make your own staff paper, and then write this out by hand, you lazy bums right? Software just adds a layer of complexity to this. That's just going to slow down your process of learning how to do this. We all need to learn how to write things out by hand. I could do this twice as fast by hand. And uh, yeah, absolutely. We got to do this by hand. Let me finish this up. Yeah, for sure. Okay, good. So I have it finished up. Do we need to talk any more about doing it by hand?
0: I like the idea of writing out music by hand. I think it's a lovely idea. Do you feel like that's so that we get more familiar with every aspect of what we're looking at on the sheet by kind of touching every bit of it.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's the same. I mean, so using this software, right. It's just adding another layer of things that are hard to do onto this process. So we want to take it out. And then also, you know, if you're sitting in a room with somebody and you want to, you know, and you want to share a cool idea with them, you're not going to want to bring out your computer, boot up your music software you know, try to remember how it works and then pass the computer back and forth. It would be way easier to just write it out uh, by hand on a piece of paper. And that's something everybody should be uh, confident doing. All right, let's get back down to the grace notes. So here I've added in my G grace note layer. And the important thing about the G grace note layer, the thing that a lot of people miss is that you want to play it and you want to see how it feels. Okay, so I know through experience that some of these things I put in here are not going to work right away So we talked about how as a basic Mm. rule we want to add G grace notes to the downbeats and to the offbeats And I've sort of done that here Uh, And here's how it sounds (laughs) That's sort of how it sounds so far. And that's pretty cool already, right? It gets us where we need to go. We've got the G grace notes chirping away. This is a good minimally viable setting. There's just a couple of things like this thumb grace note right here on this high G, it just feels really Mm -hmm. silly. And we need another one right here as well on the downbeat. And by the way, if you're wondering where the thumb grace note comes from, right? The thumb grace note is just what we use when we can't use our G grace note. So they're basically, you know, in the exact same family. It's just, we can't play a G grace note on a high G. You can go ahead and try, it's not gonna work. So instead we use the thumb. But anyway, this sort of double thumb grace note in a row is awkward and doesn't make any sense. So I'm probably just gonna delete that one just because I don't need it. It's, it seems to kind of just be awkward and silly and doesn't make sense to me. So I'm just gonna take it out. And that's perfectly legal, right? It's perfectly legal to take the occasional one out if it really doesn't make sense. The other one to me, that feels silly and doesn't make any sense is this one at the very end chum 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 at the end it doesn't make any sense i'm gonna get rid of this one too it just doesn't make sense and this feels a lot more natural so that's just my personal intuition playing into things a little bit um and now we have what's basically a pretty good simplified setting um one of the things that feels kind of silly to anyone who's been playing for any period of time is to play this Tackum uh, with no uh, D grace note on the second note. So just as someone who's played yeah. a a lot, I'm going to add that in there probably just to leave it. But now we have a really nice simplified setting of Bonnie Ann, right? So we can get this tune sounding a lot like Bonnie Anne with just this absolute bare-bones layer, right? It's like when you're building your house, right? What's the first thing you got to do? Well, the first thing is let's get the walls up and the roof up, even if it doesn't have shingles on it yet, but let's get the walls and the roof up so that, you know, now we can at least continue to work on the house, right? So just one more time. (coughs) There you go. And some of you may have noticed I added in a D grace note here because that's another tackum that just feels, it feels strange to have nothing there. So I'll add that in. And there you go. That's my next layer. That's after my student had, or myself had the rhythm going well, this would be my next stop.
0: Making sense. Yeah. And, And I definitely am like, I'm already converted to the idea, of course, but I do feel like this is, this is the point at which it would stand out to me if I were not yet converted that this is building toward the official version. This is not yeah. learning one version, then you have to start all over again for the other. This is just moving toward learning it better than you would have otherwise. Because yes, we're now right. addressing the key basic things like rhythmic yeah. accuracy.
1: Now I just made all that up, right? So I went with the grace note system and I was like, cool, I wanna put the G grace notes and all the beats and off beats. Let's turn the fully embellished setting back on. And what you'll find, is that the vast majority of me just winging it and putting in the grace note system, you'll notice it all lines up. For example, is there a G grace note on the C in the pickup note? Yeah, there is. The G grace note is the first step of that C doubling. So we have a G grace note here and we have a G grace note I put in. What about the burl here at the beginning of the bar? G grace note begins the burl. I put a G grace note there. Mm. Okay, well the doubling doesn't do anything here, but then we have the strike between the high A. It's already there. You can see that these basic building blocks are what make tunes, right? And then we have a G grace note lining up. Yeah. What about this E doubling? Well, the first step of an E doubling is a G grace note. So it lines up with my simplified setting. Hopefully you guys can kind of see my mouse moving on the screen. Here's another one. C doubling. The first step of a C doubling is a G grace note. Here's a tackum. lines up perfectly. First step of this doubling is a G grace note. And then. First step of this doubling between the high G's, sure enough, thumb grace note. Okay. Now here we have a D throw.
0: on that one. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. Just before we hit the D throw, I was just curious. I mean, I'm just, I'm drilling into this tighter than I would if it was just you and me, just for sake of, you know, kind of catching stuff. Do you feel like in that uh, penultimate measure there of the first line, would it have made, would it have been fine or made an equal amount of sense to instead of a thumb grace note, go with a tap on F instead? A little strike on F
1: for your simplified
0: version between those two Gs.
1: Yeah. So the answer to that question is no. Okay. So the answer is the thumb grace note is. Yeah. The answer is the thumb grace note is definitely what you want. And the reason for that is the purpose of the simplified setting is to get used to playing uh, melodies uh, and get used to playing the grace note system. So when the rule in the Mm -hmm. grace note system is on any downbeat, you should be playing a G grace note. Or if that's not possible, you should be playing a thumb grace note. So on, on no downbeats ever, will there be anything other than a G grace note, which is of course a lie, right? Which is of course not actually true, but it is true 99.8% of the time. So that's the rule that we wanna learn. Mm. And so in our simplified setting, that's what we wanna stick to. It's like, you know, wherever possible, yeah. those G grace notes wanna go on the beat. Okay. And we don't want to put strikes there. We don't want to teach the student that's where a strike should go. We don't want to teach ourselves that either. And that might change. Maybe the composer in in their way of embellishing the melody, they might be screwing around with the rules and they might be doing things slightly differently. And that's all good. Mm -hmm. And eventually we're going to play the tune in that way. Okay. But in the early stages, we're going to be ingraining this grace note system because that's the foundation. Okay. Of all modern tunes. Yep. No, that's super cool, though, because
0: by doing this, we're all, yeah, absolutely, I, I can see it, man, because we're getting like this, almost like a tour through time of how these embellishments developed, probably, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. in that specific case, like, where does the beat fall within that, what is that, a high, is that an a, a, a doubling on G, or is that a G doubling on G, what is that yeah. whole thing, the it's A-G-S, a great question it's Gs. a
1: great question and, and my answer to that question is who the hell cares what it is we're not to that stage yet but <laughs> uh, oh, whatever it is the beat yeah.
0: would fall on that g and so the high a grace note is what makes sense in terms of like rhythmic accuracy for that embellishment so i, I totally see what you mean yeah
1: amen my brother yeah exactly
0: well carry on from uh, that throw then sorry to throw you off there
1: huh uh, i see what you did yeah, so the next one is a d throw, okay? And what I find is these low g oriented embellishments will often come in and just kind of cover up what used to be a g grace note. I think that's pretty common. Mm. But but again, in the simplified setting, we wouldn't want to do anything weird. And this is one of those mistakes where you see pe- people simplify a d throw by putting in some sort of weird low g grace note or something in between the e and the d, and it's no, we don't want to mm-hmm. do that. In the simplified setting, it's just put the g grace note on the beat. Okay. And then once we add that in later, the D throw, once we add the D throw in later, then of course the high G grace note will go away. But at least for now, in the basic setting of the tune, this is what we would do. Okay. So, uh, and then Mm. anyway, the G grace note pattern continues somewhere close to, you know, 98% of all of these G grace notes that you'll recall, we just guessed where to put them, or we just put them there based on principle what you'll notice is that 98% of them you will find in the fully embellished score as well. Okay, making mm. sense? That's it. So yeah. that's how you get your simplified sec- setting out. It...
0: Okay, yep, totally makes sense.
1: What were you going to say?
0: I can't. just in case this is something that comes up for somebody watching the episode, and I'm trying, between my screen resolution and the size on our call and stuff, I'm not sure, in the second to last measure of the second line, Right at the beginning of that measure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was. I, well, I, I type. There's a typo, typo here. That was a high A grace note, or
1: yeah, it needs to be a okay, high A grace. Yeah, that's the one
0: I wasn't sure about.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a, what I was. Wondering. So that's a typo in my. That's a typo in my simplified score. Just of in course, case that because stood out
0: to somebody else.
1: Yeah, because we're coming from high G. Okay, then mm. then we would want to play a thumb grace note there. However. Typos are all over the place in the real world. Bookmark so it, if you... folks.
0: Andrew Douglas made a mistake. Yeah. Right exactly. here. Right here. Bookmark it.
1: Yeah. You're making me feel annoyed that very successfully. Yeah. So if you did see something like this in the real <laughs> world, instead of, right, instead of taking three minutes out to go on the internet and talk about how there's a typo in the music, why don't you just fix it and just get back to practicing, you whiny know-it-all. Anyway. Uh, anyway, that's nah, speaking from experience, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a type there's, is, is this like, how, what, uh, how am I supposed, sorry, that's the sound I give to people who are like, am I supposed to, I'm how confused. am I supposed to play, how am I supposed to play a G grace note coming from high G? If you know the answer to that question and stop being a know-it-all and just put, get the white out and put it on the high A line and then move on with your day, people. Good Lord if you've never seen a typo before. As,
0: as the guy who's who's provided uh, settings for a lot of band tunes, I could relate to. I understand. Do we want it to be clean? But just you know what? You know that was just a typo. Just yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, it's awful. It's a hard life we lead. But anyway, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, I have. To, and now I need to move. You know what? I'm going to leave that there just to make certain types of people upset. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Because that's the kind of, oh, you, you two can play this game. Yeah, I was just going to leave that in yeah. there. Okay, so anyway, that's our simplified setting. The next question is, now what do we do? So now we have our simplified setting. When your student is playing the simplified setting really well, Jim, or when you're playing this really well, what would your next steps be? Well, and the next step would be to go now to the fully embellished line and play it with all the embellishments in. Okay. Good episode. This was Mm. a fun one, which of course, no, we should not now go to the fully embellished setting and put everything in. What I would now recommend is to start to implement the embellishments one embellishment at a time, or perhaps better would be one embellishment type at a time or something like that. So for example, Mm. what we might do now is take our simplified setting, grab that pencil, and we might actually take this D throw. Okay and you know copy it i'm just going to paste it into my simplified setting now so now i have my setting that's fully simplified except for now we get the opportunity to try to get a really nice d throw right so everything remains simplified nice and comfortable and absolutely Absolutely as simple as it can possibly be, except for now we've added in the d throw Okay. And then maybe Mm. after the d throw is sounding good, okay, maybe now would be a good time to take a stab at these burls. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll take the burl out of the embellished and I'll stick it in the simplified.
0: And if in in the tune we're working on, there's more than one D throw, I'm gathering we'd probably pull all the D throws in first and then go yes. on to all the burls.
1: Basically, generally speaking, that's true. Yes, exactly. Yep. One type at a time. So now it's like, okay, cool. Now my student and I, we can have a good D throw lesson, you know, Hey, here, here's the steps of a D throw. Mm. Everything's good. And okay. Now that we've, you know, got the D throw going now, our next step is let's put it into the tune that we're learning. In the spots keeping everything else simplified so so we're not distracting things and then once that's going well we can do our burrow lesson next right and so on and so forth so now what you'll find is you have kind of a halfway score somewhere between simplified and fully embellished but you'll be amazed how fast you get to at least you know 80 percent fully embellished using this method that's it that's how that's i really like how that I, I love that it, delay it feels today,
0: very Jim. much like a, yes, I've begun to notice that, yeah. What I'll do is I'll it's kill a my to screen tell share. because of how small our video
1: screens are. Yeah, I wonder if I kill my screen share, if that'll help. Jim, what were you saying? Or do you need the screen Let share? Let me try.
0: Uh, no, I don't need it, no. Just that I really like seeing how this, to me at least, it feels very much like the application of don't multitask. Mm -hmm. to tune learning because it's forcing me to monotask right from I'm monotasking on the rhythm and then all the way up to I'm now monotasking on burls or D throws or whatever the embellishment is as I bring them in at the end of this I've competed with this tune before and right now I'm feeling like I could do that again way better if I backed up and did this to this tune you know what I mean?
1: I would recommend doing it with a fresh, new, interesting tune that you don't have a lot of like implicit habits built up with. It's going to be a lot easier, you know? And mm-hmm. like you said, maybe you come back to this at some point in the future, but uh, yeah, that's exactly right. We're monotasking throughout the whole thing. Like for example, like another great example is how we took the tacums out at the beginning, right? Let's just take them out. Let's mm-hmm. just get the basic layer in first. That gives us enough to do. It might not actually be monotasking, but it's as few things to focus on as we can possibly come up with. Another thing I recommend is pickup notes, get rid of them, right? Get rid of all the pickup notes Mm. throughout most of the entire learning process. And why would I say that? It's not because pickup notes aren't important. We're definitely going to want to add them in at some point in the future. But do you ever find that a student spends, you know so much time on just figuring out how they're supposed to play the pickup notes. Where if we just started with the first yeah. downbeat of the tune, we could be done with three quarters of the first line in the time it would take the average student to figure out exactly how we're supposed to play the pickup notes. So just take them out, right? The, you know, just take them out. We'll put them back in later. The other thing that you find is that if you just play the repeat of the part, so if you just go from the ending phrase back into the part again, then the pickup notes just happen naturally and you don't even have to think about it. So we'll just worry about the pickup notes then. It's going to be fine. So, you know, that's another example of monotasking. I like that, Jim. I like that term you, you just made up there. But yeah, it's another example of monotasking. It's like when you see something that's shoving a stick in the spokes of your progress, just take it out for now. We can put it back in later. Hmm. Love it. You're a genius, Jim. Take it out for now.
0: We can put it back in later. It could be like, that could be like the theme for Mm -hmm. tune simplification.
1: Yeah. But by the way, like we do this all the time naturally in life, right? Like when you're cleaning your room, you're cleaning your room and then you get to something, you don't know where it goes. So what do you do with it? Do you stop everything? Do you stop the cleaning process until... And it might take you a while, like maybe that thing really doesn't have a place. So now you got to get out like a special box and you got to carve out a special place in the basement, right? And then you got to take that thing. So that would take a long time. What do you do when you're cleaning, when you come across something, you're not quite sure where it goes. Everybody knows this. We do it intuitively. You just take it and you put it in a pile, right? I'm going to deal with that once the major cleaning is done. And now I just have this small pile of things to sort through. It's obvious. Everybody knows it. That's what you're supposed to do. However, when you're learning a I tune, love, that's not what you do. You fixate on, on pointless stuff right. that can be dealt with later.
0: I think that's a really good analogy to tie into it. Because I can tell you, as, a, as parent of the year, constantly talking about how that's I right. mess up my own kids, ding, ding, ding. my children walk around the house with the one thing that they don't know where to put it. And I'm like, are you not cleaning your room? And they're like, I don't know where to put this. I'm like, well, put it down and clean your room, yeah. right? So it's intuitive for us as grownups now. That's how we clean but not necessarily for kids. And so it's not mm-hmm. intuitive for us necessarily to do this with our tunes. And now that you've made that connection, it might help it to become much more intuitive, certainly for me, yes. and maybe for a lot of, uh, of other Pipers along with me.
1: Exactly, most Pipers, especially, the, and it seems like the more fully adult most Pipers are, the more they behave like toddlers when learning. And just that, you know, this should shock you. And what I just said should rock you to the core and make you feel super offended, but yes, So like you're learning a tune, right? We've just spent seven minutes on this pickup note and you still don't have it yet. There should be alarm bells going off, right? I don't know about you, Jim, but as an adult, wasting seven minutes is like not on my list of things that I really want to do today. So, you know, we got to put it in a pile. You know, and then the other thought I had was David Allen really taught me this. Like I was an adult before I like really started to figure this out. But when you're cleaning and organizing your life, it's the same. Like one of the reasons we're so disorganized in life, or at least, you know, some of us are, maybe more others of us are more organized, but it's because we're trying to multi, like when it comes time to organizing, we cannot boil it down to monotasking. So like one of the things in the Getting Things Done book that I read, which I highly recommend for everybody, even if you think you're an organized person, because you're not, you know, I hate people who say they're organized. It's like, come on, gag me with a spoon. Okay, but I digress. One of the things he said is the first step of cleaning up your room is to just gather up everything that's not exactly where it's supposed to be and put it in a pile. You know, and I remember one day when I was like, oh, I finally just did that. And it took me like, you know, like in this office, which isn't, I don't want you to confuse cleanliness with organization, but my office is very organized now. <laughs> it's not the cleanest, right? There's, it's an old pottery studio, so it's still got dust everywhere. It's impo- and it's very fine dust. You can't yeah. just vacuum it up. It just comes out the other side. But I digress. Totally. But I took everything in the office that wasn't exactly where it was supposed to be, and you just put it in a pile. And the pile was like six feet tall, right? But then not, once you have your pile, then you just take things out of the pile one by one and put them where they're supposed to go. And if it doesn't have a place to go, you either... Well, if it doesn't have a place to go, you either throw it out because it's junk, you know, or you develop places for them to go. And it's that simple, right? But it's the same Mm -hmm. when you're learning a tune, right? So the first thing you got to do is you just got to take it and you got to learn the rhythm of it, right? Because the rhythm is the foundation of everything else. And then we go rhythm, melody notes, and grace notes. We have to do melody and grace notes kind of as the next step because you can't have one without the other. So that's what we do. And then from there, we go one by one with the embellishments. And of course, the interesting thing is What's faster to do, organize everything willy nilly, just kind of winging it or the long process of taking everything and putting it in a pile, right. And sorting through it one by one in an order that makes sense. Right. So one of them is actually a way faster way to learn a tune. Okay. And when it comes to learning a bagpipe tune, this is a way fast. It's not even, it's not like a little bit faster. It's a way faster way of learning a tune. And also has the side benefit. Every time you do this process, you get better at learning any tune. So now future tunes, you'll be able to learn better and faster.
0: That's part of what I love about uh, just watching this happen is that it's not just just Bonnie Ann that one learns by doing this. It's two, four marches. It's bagpipe music in general. It's music in general. It has applicability in a big way.
1: Yeah. It also gives you confidence, right? So Bonnie Ann is widely accepted as one of the hardest tunes that you can play. But if we boil it down to the rhythm, it's like, wait a minute, you know, my 2-4 march that I'm playing in grade four is pretty much the same. Rhythmic components. Okay, cool. So I got the rhythm. And it's like, obviously there's only nine notes. So uh, those aren't that hard. And then if you take the embellishments out and just play the basic grace notes, like I can do that. So anybody can play Bonnie Ann, right? And then It's adding in all of the embellishments that make it difficult. And then you're like, okay, well, how important are embellishments? Is a cake still delicious, even if it doesn't have like prolific icing decoration on the top? Yeah, it still is delicious. And a tune is as well. Bonnie Ann is still a really nice tune with no embellishments. Does the tune get better with embellishments? Of course. But you can get yourself, anybody, even a beginner can play Bonnie Ann. 85% of the way done. And then from there, we just add in the complicated embellishments, but Mm -hmm. that gives me confidence, right? It's like, now I'll see any tune and it's like, okay, let's dig in. No problem. Hey everybody, Andrew Douglas here from the Piper's Dojo. And I just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's iteration of the podcast If you enjoyed what you heard here today, it would be super helpful to us and to a lot of bagpipers out there trying to find us. If you could give us a top-notch review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, particularly Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and things like that, your review would be really, really helpful. So if you have a moment today, definitely go over there and help us out. Other than that, until we meet again on the podcast or somewhere else, thanks again for listening. (laughs) we <laughs>